Hey there, if you would like ad-free and early versions of these episodes, as well as bonus episodes, movie club episodes, and lots more, head on over to patreon.com slash Friends. Lovely to see you, and I wore this jacket for you because you always arrive to everything always done, so <laughs> I had to return Actually, I haven't been doing that so much like during the quarantine, maybe half and half, but today I felt like dressing up for you. Well, oh, I really appreciate that. I take it as quite an honor. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, now it's time for your intro, of course. Great. Attention all you super duper party people. Gather your fresh laundry together and get ready to share this super sunset with me and my very special guest. A singer, songwriter, producer, drag aficionado, actress, model, and all-around icon. A proper Canadian who knows that it's not so bad in L.A. because the parking is cheap and it's valet. Please bring your hands together in helping me say hello to the one, the only, the Ali X. Hey. Wow, what an intro. <laughs> I believe you're a fan of Marauder stuff, right? That's why I chose the underscore. Obsessed, that. yes. Wait, I didn't hear the underscore. Am I missing something? Oh, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't share sound. That probably would have helped for you to hear. Ah. <laughs> it's okay. I'll just imagine that the whole episode is scored by Marauder. <laughs> right. I I'd like to imagine that's the case as well. I hear Marauder's doing podcasts nowadays. <laughs> yeah, no, it's the very in thing. And yeah, he produces them, <laughs> although he does it all in box. He doesn't like any of the analog stuff anymore. You think he would, right? Yeah, but, no, uh, he does it all in box. I know. In- <laughs> I, I, that's a personal frustration of, of mine with Marauder, but it's his choice. There's a thing where we listen to a new Marauder record and we want something that's kind of redolent of like at least 81, you know, not yeah, 78. No, we want the modular that takes up the whole wall but yeah exactly we want tonto in there yeah (laughs) (laughs) and you're quite a synth bop in yourself and i have to say i'm obsessed with your records and uh they're just fantastic and one of the things i love the most about them is that very much like another artist i love john grant you mix textures and tones in terms of the types of songs you do and also the lyrical content uh up in a really terrific uh stew he's got a good ear (laughs) (laughs) it's true are you a musician? As a matter of fact, I am. Uh, drums are my original instrument. And then I took up guitar, bass, and keyboards in an effort to do a one-man band kind of thing because I was in a series of bands whose songs I despised. But I kind of made a mistake in that I tried to learn those all at the same time. And also a secondary mistake is that I kind of committed to the bar chord way of doing things after watching a, a Lou Reed live video, which is where I learned how to play guitar. Not the best way. But, you know, suddenly you're able to play like Sweet Jane. And you're like, oh, I've cracked the code. You know, problem, you know? I love this. So would you say that you're proficient in all the main rock band instruments? In varying degrees. So here's the order. Uh, top of the list in the highest level of proficiency, drums. Uh, then guitar and then bass and keyboards kind of on the same level. Maybe keyboards a little over bass. But with drums, I can basically sit down and play anything I hear. Yeah. I mean, I'm not getting to the level of like dream theater or you know rush although as a kid of course i did play a lot of rush i memorized all the tracks but you know that's what you do when you're 14 years old that's what you do it's so funny my my brother-in-law my my partner he's like very specific in his music taste and my brother-in-law his name's steve steve if you're listening i love you steve is such a nice guy and he goes to um george my partner and he goes do you do you don't you just love Rush, George? And George goes, yeah, yeah. There's some taste that cannot be acquired, and though no. I love Rush, 
they're one of those bands. I mean, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty like open-minded to almost every type of music, but. Would that be except Rush or including Rush? I, no, I, I'll include Rush. I'm not like a, I'm not going to call myself a Rush stan, but. I'm, <laughs> but you are Canadian. So by law, actually, you do have to at least tolerate. No, and Steve's Canadian too. So that's, <laughs> that's how that happens. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And like April wine is somewhere in the firmament of your mind, right? Yeah, it's it's in my uh, it's in my my molecules. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny. my parents are Canadian, so uh, oh, I was cool. I always uh, love talking to a proper Canadian like yourself. And yeah. uh, you spent time in Massachusetts as a youth, right? Um, I did, but not not enough to warrant me writing an album about it. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, you know, I've, I've, I've had like a, a couple summer vacations there. Uh, and then I did some summer programs in Boston as well. So, but um, it was more the actual, this documentary that I saw about Cape Cod that sort of uh, influenced the record. And I, I kind of feel like I grew up on an East Coast anyway, like just being in the, in the Toronto area. It's sure. Being on Lake Ontario, like you're sort of, uh, it's a similar sort of environment. No, there is. So uh, my parents are from Canada, but then moved to Massachusetts. And then I spent a lot of time, of course, visiting because my dad has 11 siblings. And it was a lot of, yeah, a lot of up and down to Nova Scotia. And then later I went to Toronto. I'd like to go to Toronto more again. And by the way, uh, the Queen of the North, the other Queen of the North, Priyanka says hello. I just did an episode with her and I was texting with her earlier. She wanted to say, hey, that's right. I'm sorry. She said, hey, forgive me. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, also Jake Shears sends his love and would love to chat with you. So, oh my god! I yeah, I didn't know Jake Shears knew who I was. I know I actually know Scott. Um, oh yeah, okay, yeah. And we've ridden together, but I've never met Jake. And I, I mean, I've been a, I was like a big Scissor Sisters fan. So, you know, I still am. I still listen to those those records, and I'm just like, wow, they were so ahead of their time, and they were doing they were doing something then that still no one has managed to do. They they really like embodied like that magic that was happening in uh, the 70s in in the UK, you know, and like, right. I don't know if that's what they intended to do, but th- that's that's how it sounds to me. And, and nobody, I don't think, has captured it in the same way. No, absolutely. Fusing all the glam stuff and then disco stuff with the modern dance sensibility and also recording all that stuff essentially in Scott's apartment at a time when, you know, it was not that easy to do that. That's a, That's amazing. Yeah. I'm a big fan, so that's that's what Jake is aware of me. <laughs> oh, not just aware, but quite a fan. So we'll have to connect everyone, yeah, okay? Yeah, definitely. And you're also quite, uh, like I said, a synth boffin, but also a home studio boffin yeah. or a wizardress. What do you say? Is it what's a female wizard? I guess a wizardress. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. Like wizardress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. I, I um, you know, I, I. I, I dabble like I, I sort of I started the AliEx project when I, I I should say it like this the AliEx sound emerged when I learned how to produce myself sure. after working with a bunch of different Canadian male producers for many years <laughs> and not getting anywhere. Oh, interesting. So are Canadian males in the music business a different type of asshole or pain in the ass from American males in the music business? No, you should not. You're going to get me in trouble. Well, that is the point of the show. <laughs> They, you know, they, I think, I think Canadians on the whole are a bit more polite, a little more humble, but that's why I left Canada because I couldn't become a star in that atmosphere. (laughs) Darling, of course. (laughs) You don't want to rely on Canadian content. 
No, although I was impressed with Canada's drag race. We can get into that later. Yeah, we might. I'm sure that might come up. But is there a thriving scene up there in the Canada land? Yeah, no, there's undeniably some incredible uh, Canadian talent. And my my musician friends in Canada still astound me. Um, yeah. It's, a diff- it's different goals. Like, it's not here in L.A. we think about uh, money and business and fame <laughs> and glamour. And in in my scene in Toronto, it was much more about music and community. So, you know. <laughs> but listen, I love that because, like you said in another interview, there's this sort of shame, this implicit shame that you're supposed to have about wanting commercial success. But I don't think that that's valid. I think that uh, as long as you're adhering to your own principles and your own guidelines, the commercial success is a wonderful thing because wouldn't everyone like to do well? Yeah, I've always, I've always wanted as as many you know people to hear my music as possible. My goals have sort of like changed over the years and my whole perspective on the whole thing has really radically changed this year actually because i've had time to think about it it's kind sure. of software but um but yeah i i think i admire people that that uh don't think in that way yeah but i'm not one of them so, so sure. i just like to be honest about it um anyway so i'll get i'll tell my production story so i i, I got into production after not being able to really uh, get a, a sound like not find sonic identity i wrote and co-produced uh my first songs catch prime and this other one tongue tied that leaked but never came out and how i did a lot of collection one like i i I either started the demo or i co-produced and then as things kind of picked up in speed i started being really intimidated by the fact that i would take months on one song and any session that i went into people would be done the production in a day and the song would be written in a day. And in that environment, I just started to feel like I couldn't produce anymore. It's very much how the, like the pop world works. It's like a machine kind of like that. And it's sometimes it's quantity over quality in my opinion. Sure. There is a formula and there's always what's whatever's on the radio. Anyway, where this is heading is I just got really tired of that. <laughs> totally, yeah. Um, I guess I've been here seven years now in Los Angeles, and I got, I got, I got fed up of that. Um, so I stopped co-writing. Yeah. I did Cape God kind of in a classic album way, where I was actually completely hands-off uh, in terms of being in the DAW, like doing anything. But oh, really? I, I had my own production ideas. But no, I handed it over to Oscar Gores, who did, I think, an incredible job. And he oh, wrote, yeah. Cape God, this very strong sonic identity. Absolutely. Um, and we did it all in kind of one room in Stockholm. And I, there was one other writer named James. And then sometimes I would do demos in LA and then take them to him to finish it. But so that was, that was really satisfying. And then this year uh, I went back to Canada for the summer and I started to go really old school. Like I started to do everything myself from scratch. No yeah. other writer no other producers yeah and that's kind of where i'm at at the moment and that's what's really uh stimulating and exciting to me so um at the moment i'm totally obsessed with analog gear all the new uad plugins I sure 
in Apollo. I'm like DMing Telefunken. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> like I'm, I'm like I'm like there right now. Um, I'm DMing Telefunken is one of my yeah. favorite things I've ever heard. That's <laughs> fantastic. Send me stuff, you know. <laughs> so, so that's where I'm at. But there's a, there's a long ways to go with like like I'm not for the first time I'm not rushing anything. So I'm just sort of seeing like where that takes me. I love production, whether I'm the, the captain or whether I'm sort of just on the couch at the back, like, you know. Yeah, sure. And you did uh, quite a lot of songwriting for other people, right? Did that include also production? No, never production. Um, that's something I've thought about, but like, I just, I don't work in the style. I can't keep up, like, timing-wise with it. What I, what I do is much slower and much more throwing, like, spaghetti at the wall, Um <laughs> So I thought maybe in the future I'll try that. But no, I, I've, I've just co-written in the very typical like um, Los Angeles sense for some artists. Sure. And then I've been uh, a frequent collaborator of our prince, Troy Sivan. Sure. Um, and that's been um, really rewarding, really great experience as well. And you toured with him as well, right? Yeah, back in the day. He brought me on his first tour for Blue Neighborhood. He's done so many nice things for me. That I, I love him. He's a really great, great person. I know that you said in previous interviews that you've gotten a bit jaded with the industry, which I'd like to get into in a sec. But don't you also yeah. find that a lot of times the more successful people or generally the most successful people are also very nice? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do. There's, there's exceptions to that. But I feel like the people that have longevity hmm. and the people that I... The people that I tend to really respect and like look up to, they tend to be, yeah, they tend to be pretty grounded, pretty nice, pretty intelligent. Right. Because often there's this very easy knee-jerk reaction or characterization of people in show business as basically backstabbers only out for their own interests. And of course, not to say that there aren't people like that in the industry, but I think there's people like that in every industry. I think it's not that, that showbiz folks are backstabbers by nature i think we're just put into uh an industry where you really have to like fight for your for your spot even your little spot you really have to fight for it and you prioritize that over everything else and Mm -hmm. i think like that's been my experience living in los angeles is sort of i know so many people but could i call any of them in a crisis or when i'm like crying or like you know and and sure you know, and I think it's it's more about how can I help you get ahead? How can you help me get ahead? What should we do together? How can we make some money to get like that's kind of that's my impression of show business people, and I'm guilty of it too. You know, sure, I'm guilty yeah. of it. But uh, I wasn't saying sure, yeah, like I have a dossier on on things like that. Like, yeah, I, I, I meant more <laughs> uh, more agreeing with you, and like every everyone is because there's this aspect of it where everyone does want to do something for someone else that can be mutually beneficial. That's all good stuff. But the trouble is because also our identities are tied into whatever we do, right? Because it's like part and parcel of us, our identity. So then when you have those moments, particularly like in this last year when everything's been fucking crazy, you have this weird feeling sometimes about people maybe because you don't have that same connection, even though it feels like they're friends and not, not that it's bad. So it's very strange. It's very strange. And, um, where I'm going in my life, I, I'm looking to, uh, how do I explain? I kind of I kind of want to have my two different lives. Like I, I'd oh. like to have my uh, business life, my show business life. Yeah. And 
I, you know, I'm still as ambitious as ever with that. But then I want to have a separate life that is just my uh, personal, real friends, more nature. I think I want to leave Los Angeles. Um, Ooh, really? Wow. More dogs. Like, yeah, I, I really, I think I need to separate the two for my own well-being. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, I think, I think it's just me and I think it's just how I've, maybe it's choices I've made and how I've, I've, I've chosen to go about my life out here. But, um, but yeah, I, I do feel like something is lacking. And there is a thing in LA that is kind of hard to pin down as to what it is, yeah. but there's something else happening here under the covers, if you will. I know yeah. that you've been fascinated with LA all your life, like I have. But I'm curious about where you're going to go to. Are you going to go somewhere more wooded, perhaps more, you know, infested with nature or less? It sounds so lame when you say it like that. <laughs> no, no, I'm saying like, you know, like Tammy Brown, you're going to be walking children in nature, all that stuff. Very noble. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm, I may, I may move. Um, I'm looking at like maybe Oregon or, or, um, I mean, even Northern California or maybe back to Canada. I'm not sure. Now, do you think that you'd want to wait until like we're sufficiently out of the pandemic to do that? Or do you think that it's a decision that is only been confirmed by the sort of the lessons that we've learned during this time? It's definitely one of the many world has turned upside down thoughts that I've had because of the pandemic. But I was already I was already having sort of those inclinations for like the last year or two. Um, and the thing is, like. The way that I work, I have to come here anyway but sure. i don't need i don't need to live here i don't have a job in at warner's where i need to go to my desk every day i don't co-write that often right right if my, if my baby troy wants me to come work with him on on his next record or something i'll fly in happy to yeah. you know? no or, that's true or if there's some a camp happening in santa barbara like they'll pay for my plane ticket and i'll come like you know i just I don't see um, I don't see a compelling reason like to be here. But but let's see. I, I'm giving myself sort of the year to figure it out. And obviously, yeah. you know, I, I'm in a relationship. We have to figure it out together. So, but but that's where I'm at right now. And about the relationship, when did you and Steve? Right? No, <laughs> Steve is my sister's husband. I'm sorry. Listen, <laughs> uh, you know, I knew I'd hit. I'd screw it up, George. I don't know too much about my relationship. I just kind of chose to today for some reason. Yeah, his name's George. He's well, listen, you, you know what? You you you, you dolled yourself up for me. You're going to tell me about your relationship, and I appreciate. I'm not going to tell you too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, you tell me you have one. Yeah. That's How about this? How long have you been together? Seven years in February. Well, congratulations. That's lovely. Thank you. Yeah, and February, that's my birthday month. So uh, clearly good things happen in February. <laughs> and how about this? Can you tell me where you two met? We did a video together. So what do you think of the idea that if you do meet someone during work times, essentially, that is a personal relationship, that those two things can fuse together and be something extra special? There can be, yeah. That's definitely been proven to me. And so, just to be clear, you're not saying that you're about to be cutting a lot of people out of your life, right? That <laughs> no, just going through life. with just a sword and just slashing I, away. I'm so grateful to people that I've met out here who believed in me and, and helped me make a living doing this, which is a dream in and of itself. I don't mean to sound ungrateful. I hope I don't come across. No, that no, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just for who I am. I'm just, I'm just ready for um, a change. 
And I don't want to, by the way, come across as seem like I'm disapproving or judging of whatever. No, no. Yeah. You, okay. Good. Good. But I just, I just thought, like, for people listening to this, I just want to, if any of them know me, like, I don't want them to think <laughs> that, that I don't want them to misunderstand what I said. But and about the differences between uh, Canada and LA, which you mentioned before, um, I want. Actually, you know what? Forget that. Sorry. And I'm going to train wreck a couple times because uh, I have ADD and I have, there's an Adderall shortage in LA. So I, there's a couple times where I just slam right into the brick wall. <laughs> What's that? Is there actually an Adderall shortage? Who would ever have thought it in LA of all places? It? I know. No. And not only that, the Adderall that has been available is of a lower quality generic than the other kind that I had. It's been a whole thing. So this week is fun because I'm taping a whole bunch of shows completely unmedicated. So- oh I took Adderall for the first time this year for fun, and it was really the perfect drug for me. I was in Paris, and I was so productive. <laughs> Everyone likes to be productive in Paris, right? And I'm, I'm like still up. I'm like at four a.m. and I'm like, I'm like, let's do a conference call to my team in Los Angeles. <laughs> like this is great. They're in a different time zone. Yeah. <laughs> So in terms of substances and stuff, uh, do you like any other substances? <laughs> Honestly, I'm like, I'm pretty sober. I, I, I stopped drinking um, before I moved to LA. So like eight years ago. Um, not and Forgive me I, if that's like a known thing and I didn't know. No, that. no, it's it's not really known. And I, I don't, I didn't have like uh, an addiction uh, issue. Uh, if that's the politically correct way to even say it. I don't think sure. Um, but I just have health issues and it was um one of the many things that I cut out that was just contributing to me being like bedridden so you know it just it just helps me be more functional to cut out drinking uh but I I do love cannabis I I like yeah I I I've, I've been ha I haven't been feeling well since I got back so I've been like a little bit of CBD THC most days tincture sure um, shrooms was fun I like, I had a really bad experience though, so I stopped doing that. <laughs> yeah. The last time I had shrooms was very much one of those 20 minutes into the actual effect. I was like, oh God, no, 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 no. But the problem is then of course, you know what's coming hours and hours more. Oh yeah. You're like, I'm on, I'm on the roller coaster. No, like I, I thought that I was dying for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I made it through the night. Um, and yeah, I mean, I used to do stuff in in my early twenties. I I now I now yeah now I don't I don't really do. I've been thinking though about trying ayahuasca, <laughs> which is so for someone just criticizing LA culture like that. <laughs> LA, but I'm very fascinated. I've been. Are, are you gonna maybe go vegan too? I just wanted to see if there's no. a. Okay. I'm actually, I need my animal protein, but I'm very picky about, um, I try to eat ethically. Uh, oh, sure. If that, if it, like, I mean, you're still killing and eating an animal, but I do try to, to do it in as ethical way as possible. Right. Um, but uh, ayahuasca, I've heard really incredible things on, I listen to these like biohacking podcasts. Mm hmm they're always like pushing the envelope on how you can basically live longer, how you can increase longevity. And they use the word performance a lot, like how you can physically perform at your highest potential. Yeah. Um, and because I've had a lot of health problems, I think I find it really fascinating. 
they do things like taking out their own stem cells and injecting them again. Okay, yeah, that's hardcore. Mega doses of magnesium and vitamin C, uh, like brain frequencies to like get rid of your past. Like there's also, so, and, and ayahuasca is one of the things that is close. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind of fascinated about that, but also I'm like, how can anyone possibly enjoy like puking and shitting themselves <laughs> all Right, I know. When I heard that's what happened, I thought there's absolutely nothing that's going to make me want to do that. They're like, it's great. You don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that troubles me more than the actual shitting of the pants, or maybe not the pants. I don't know. Maybe you're in a special garment. But it, to not care about it is a pretty powerful drug that I want nothing to do with. That just about sums it up. And the, they tell you, right, the, the whole thing of it is you're not going to have a good time. Like, you're going to have a time, and it's going to be full of things. <laughs> but you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes for, like, a long time, but not a great, you know, it's going to go up and down. You're going to see yeah. lots of things. So yeah. that, and I know people talk about DMT in a similar way, but I know it's a shorter experience. And, I mean, I'm hearing about all these synthetic drugs I've never even heard of. Oh, okay, like research chemicals. They're all like a combination of like letters and numbers, like CP three O. Exactly. They should call one that, and you know, yeah. and then like if it's a pill, make little cute like pills that look like the thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and I was also curious too because uh, a lot of the lyrics in some of your songs uh, deal with very specific aspects of the sort of I guess the kaleidoscopic nature of partying, if you will. Hmm. The life of the party, in particular, which I'm obsessed with, and it's oh, such okay. a uh, you're welcome. It's such a dark, dark lyric. lyric. <laughs> it's so fucking dark. Super duper party people as well, because on first blush, it's a very, you know, up-spirited party tune, but really there's other things going on. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a record about my teenage years and about becoming extremely ill when I was 13 and being in and out of the hospital through all of high school, hiding it from everyone, and also being completely self-destructive at the same time. Um, mm -hmm. And throwing myself into the fire just to make, I don't know, just so people would like me or just to fit in or, um, yeah. So those, those lyrics, uh, on those two songs, I mean, actually there, there's a whole section of the record. That's like the, the party section. It starts, mm -hmm. uh, I guess Susie is right before it, right? Well, yeah. When Susie in the track in the sequencing, I feel better that you don't know. I had to look it up. Super, <laughs> it starts as super duper and it kind of unofficially ends at Madame X, but you could also, that's open to inter interpretation. You could say it ends at life of the party. And, and yeah, it's just, it's just like, you know, remembering those, those parties that I go to. I was virtually ignored by every single male except my gays. Oh. And I was ignored or bullied, ignored or made fun of, you know, uh, uh, sure. Sure. Uh, I was tiny at that time. I was like, 
like didn't grow till I was much later. So I was like five, two and 90 pounds. I just looked like a 12 year old for all of high school. And yeah, so it's just like memories from being bullied, getting yeah. fucked up and like being like sad and sick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a recipe for a pop record right there. Yeah, it's a total mess of, you know, like the majors are knocking down my door. <laughs> <laughs> right, because that's what they're looking for. And back to that time in your life, it does make sense that after being bullied like that, you would sort of plunge into self-destructive habits. I mean, that's kind of how it goes, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, life of the party specifically, It's I've always had trouble describing in interviews, like in a in a one sentence, like summing it up, what it even is. But it's that thing of like, um, you're willing to, like, it's all about, it's about being ab- like ab- abused in whatever way you want to interpret it physically or verbally or whatever. In, sure. in, and in that situation, you're, you're willing to take it because you just want to be included. You just want to be in the, like in the room of that party, you know, like, yeah. and so that whole thing, like the, the bridge of that song is like, Oh, I'll never forget, but I want to forget. Oh, I'll never forget. I don't want to forget or whatever. And like, and yeah. it's that thing of just like, oh, wasn't it cool when I was like there last night? Oh, but were they making fun of me? Oh, wait, but did, didn't they hurt me? Wait, did they draw over all over my face with a Sharpie? Like, <laughs> Yeah, that push and pull thing that happens when you are deprived of the proper attention. Yeah, you're like, I was partying last night. It was cool, but everyone was like making fun of me. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, th- and those things too can lead to like further shame spirals, which, o- which only compounds the initial uh, abusive treatment. It's a, it's a whole, it's a, it's a great pop record. No, no, but I mean, uh, it's, uh, it is actually, that's one of the great things that pop music can do is talk about things like that in, in a manner that is um, not deceptive, but you know, you know what I'm saying? It's the thing of the, yeah. the, the sweet and the sour together. Yeah. Yeah. And there's just, there's a lot of denial. The, the, the repeated, I was the life, I was the life, I was the life. And you're like, <laughs> right, right. That's an insistent, 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 sure insistent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that period in particular when did those sort of things stop happening i I took a year off after high school um i was actually supposed to go to boston conservatory oh wow but yeah for musical theater and i got uh super ill that summer and had to defer then lost my place which wasn't cool looking back um and so i ended up going to um a musical theater school that was in Canada. A really good one, actually. But mm-hmm. um, More polite, I'm sure, especially considering Boston. Much polite, yeah. Much cheaper, too. God, it was <laughs> so expensive to go to school at these American universities. Um, and uh, that is kind of when I started to have a bit more... I had a lot of, a lot of drive. I had that in high school, too, but it was it was mixed in with like teachers not liking me and a, an attitude problem and bad grades and lots of sickness and stuff. And, yeah. and when I, after I took that year off and I started at college, I was like, I'm going to be one of the best students. I'm not drinking anymore. I'm going to work really hard. I'm going to become, <laughs> want to become a much better dancer. That never happened. Um, <laughs> and yeah. And I was just really, I was just really focused. Yeah. And I feel like that in and of itself demanded more respect and I was just more respected and treated nicer by my peers. Plus, I mean, most of my friends were girls and gays. So that made it easier. Too. <laughs> yeah, that takes away the problem element. The environment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
most of my classmates, I should say, like, I think there were like, you know, I think there were like nine, nine straight guys in in my year. Musical theater. Well, that makes perfect sense because I would love a rock opera from you. I don't know if you can see behind me on the walls, the posters. That's a Tommy poster. And then the Hedwig and the Angry, or Hedwig and the Angry Inch is right over there. Oh, and you have bo- a body double poster. Yes. It. Oh, good eye. That's much better eyes than mine. I have terrible eyes. <laughs> uh, yeah, body double, one of my very favorites. And then uh, over here is To Live and Die in L.A. And then the Jabriath documentary. Do you know the Jabriath documentary? I don't. I don't oh. think so. Oh my God, I'm gonna have to send it to you. It's so great. We're always we're always looking for a documentary in this house. What are some of your favorite movies? Um, movies or musicals? Well, let's do both in separate categories. So, movie, uh, regular, not regular movies, non-musical films first. Non-musical, regular, films. you know, good movies. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Poppins. <laughs> um, my favorite movies. I mean. It's hard to it's hard to not draw a blank when you get questions like this, especially for me. But I'll just name the ones that come to mind. I I'm really inspired by like Kubrick aesthetically, um, yeah. and David Lynch, sure. um, Polanski, mm-hmm. controversial figure. Right. Sure, but th- those movies are good. It's just shame he yeah. made them. Yeah, although Bitter Moon is one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen. Yes, <laughs> he's got some very strange. I'm trying to remember this other one, uh, the name of, I can't remember. But it was oh, no, like, there's a couple real fucking weird ones from yeah, around that yeah. time. Pirates, yeah. which I've never seen. I've never seen. Then there's that awful, awful one with Johnny Depp called The Ninth Gate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't like that. <laughs> no, that was rotten. I saw it in the theater, and people were, like, after the halfway mark, people were just openly, like, heckling the movie, and I was okay with it. Normally, I can't stand <laughs> when anyone, like, sne- like, makes a noise in the theater. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, you know, I just saw this series of films. Um, actually, saved the image. Let me find it. It's a French film with Julia Binoche. And oh, that sounds Julie good. Julie in one of the sequels. It's called something about the color blue. Um, oh, this is ringing a bell. Very, but it's a muffled yeah. bell, and there's felt inside of it, so I don't. Like yeah, there's. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm gonna find it one. Yeah, second. no, that's cool. Um. No, I think it's just called Blue. Oh, Blue. Yeah, oh, right, right. <laughs> um, my favorite films in, re- in recent years, um, one of them was, uh, I forget the Spanish name. It's a Spanish film. The English translation is Sunday's Illness. Oh, okay. Fucking, ugh. So, oh. I mean, I, I think my favorite films are the ones that just make me, like, ball. So there's that one. Highly recommend that to anyone. Um, there's a strangely i was on my way to honolulu pride last Mm -hmm. fall about a year ago and i was like i'm gonna watch a korean film just because i I don't usually so i watched this film and it was called i think it's called birthday Uh and it again just so fucking like not sad in like a a dancer in the dark kind of way like (laughs) just, just like beautiful like just really yeah 
I think so I think it's called birthday I could not find it even like on iTunes or anything I had to I had to like get like a Korean fan to send a link to watch it again <laughs> oh okay yeah gotcha and that's not an easy one to find and then um what else? I got I got an illegal site I'll I'll just tell you now and I'll cut it out it's and you can find most things and that's how I saw the rose for the first time because uh, I'm also a big fan of the ones that just rip you apart. Yeah. And that was actually a godsend uh, during one of the many panic attacks of the first couple months of this whole nightmare. I was avoiding anything dramatic. There was one night where I took acid and watched um, Down on Beverly Hills, which was fucking amazing. And then I was like, I'm going to watch Beaches. Don't do that on acid. I stopped. <laughs> Don't watch no. Beaches on acid. No. That's the, my little message for the day. Uh, I did st 10 minutes in, I paused, went to the bathroom, washed, like, uh, and washed my face. And I went in the mirror. I got, I went, we're not doing that. Right? <laughs> we're not doing that right now. And then I went in and put on like a Charles Bronson picture or something, but, um, which worked a treat. Uh, then, um, <laughs> oh, but, <laughs> I was once on a cruise with my family when I was younger and, Whenever I was on a cruise, I would always do the karaoke competition. Sure, yeah, yeah. Most of the time. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> 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 My is Power of Love, Celine Dion. Oh, nice. Yeah, well, you know, keeping that Canadian flag flying. Yeah, um, but there is this, in the, in the preliminaries uh, of the karaoke competition, because it had a few rounds. Oh, sure. There was this girl who sang Wind Beneath My Wings and... She did before she started singing, she like dedicated it to her mother, and she could not get through the song because she was like crying so much at yeah. her own performance. <laughs> <laughs> That's a moving performance when you can bring yourself to tears. You have your I mean, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be making fun of No, that. no, well, look, we're, we're laughing because we're, we're laughing with her, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Now, was this is probably indelicate and shows what a bad person I am. Was the mother there on board, or had she was she, she was, not? With no, us? no, no. She was in the audience. <laughs> okay, okay. Right, Singing okay. to her mom. Okay, then, then, then. You know what? We can. It's okay. We can laugh. If it was the other situation. Yeah, no. If it's mm. the other situation, I wouldn't. I. I'm not that that mean of a person. <laughs> Damn. Well, well, I was trying to expose you, Allie. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am kind of a bitch, but I'm not. I'm not a mean person. How about you have a rotted sense of humor, which I, I do as well. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> and back to musicals, of course, Dancer in the Dark, which I watched, yeah. cried my eyes out during the entire thing, and then about an hour later showed to my mom. And then, you know, when I told Katya about that, Katya said that that made me the scariest person she'd ever met. Yeah. So that's something. There's one, sure. I mean, those are, those are, there's some really, <laughs> I love Melancholia. That's actually, that's probably my favorite film of his. And then there's other ones that are just like hard to watch. The one that Nicole Kidman was in, she was like, "I'll never work with him again." Remember, she said that. Oh, who she... was it again? Nicole Kidman. It was the film. It was very uh, experimental, really well done. It was on a. It was on like a set, like a theater set, like a black room, and every every room was just like chalk drawn on the floor, like kitchen, like. Um, but apparently, he was so like abusive as a director that she would never work with him. I love that Nicole Kidman does a lot of experimental or sort of outside things or things to the oh, left. 
I love Nicole Kidman. I think she I think she picks really great projects. She does. And she did two she with John Cameron Mitchell. The film that Troy was in, Boy Erased. And Oh, I've been meaning to see that. I haven't seen it's it. It's really good. Uh con- it's about conversion therapy and yeah, I just thought it was, you know, it wasn't a huge film, but I thought but a, a, an example of just a good film that Nicole Kidman uh, picked for herself. I'm sure I'm sure her agent and manager picked it as well, but but she definitely plays a strong hand in the films that she chooses. I think she produced Rabbit Hole that was directed by John Cameron Mitchell. I think she sought him out, actually, to direct that, which is an adaptation of a play. Very, very heavy movie. Really good, but not very jolly. Not for this time. And then she also did uh, How to Talk to Girls at Parties, directed by John Cameron Mitchell. So I think she has a strong hand in that. I think she does. I mean, you, you, don't, you don't have like a career that long of so many great films and not have a hand in it. One of her earlier movies, Dead Calm, I remember being really good. That's her and Sam Neill. It's a thriller set out on a yacht or a boat somewhere. I guess a yacht is a boat. But anyway, you've done some acting as well. I don't know exactly where, but I remember hearing you talk about it in a great interview that you did with, oh my God, what's their name? (laughs) The one where you're walking around? Oh yeah, I know. She didn't even say her name. It was the name of her her, channel. Wait, it is Sidewalk Talk EDM. That's what it is. And that channel is clearly named after the Jelly Bean song that was co-written with Madonna. It's a very genius way to interview people because as you're walking, you it's just easier to talk. Like you can't be as calculated or something. Right. Um, she got all sorts of information out of me. She also had these like surprise questions and I was like, oh, wow, you know that. Okay. Um, right. Like the thing about uh, how do you solve a problem like Maria? Don't! Oh my God! Why not? Come on! You know it, it, it had to come up, and it's a wonder. Actually, no, it's a great thing because it, what it shows to me, it, like it's a great thing when you see evidence of someone really trying to get to the thing they want to, and maybe it didn't happen the way that they tried to get it done before, but it yeah. didn't deter them. No, I mean that, that. That I'm gonna sort of like pivot away from that question using that question. We love that. We love that. And, and say that like. Musical theater, it ticked a lot of boxes for me, but unfortunately, I did not tick a lot of boxes for it. So <laughs> I kept getting cast in ensemble roles, um, except for that show. Uh, and I just felt like, you know, I did it for two years and I was getting like, you know, little contract after little contract, but I was, I was like, I'm too good for this. <laughs> I'm like, I'm being underutilized. I'm way more special than like someone who's just should be singing in the chorus and like moving some seppies around. So, but that's a great thing because no one's going to like tell you that more than yourself. And you have to listen to that voice. And you did that and you did it a couple times. Now you also mentioned that interview, something to the effect of that. You may have not always had confidence in yourself, but you always had confidence in your ability. I don't even remember saying that, but it totally sounds like me. (laughs) I, 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 yeah, I've been like, deeply insecure about many facets of myself sure from the time i was a kid um from you get bullied that'll happen yeah you know mostly from being bullied and and um and from not i guess just like not fitting in um but i yeah i always had this tremendous confidence in my at first just my singing voice like when i was a kid i just thought i was the bee's knees even though i wasn't i wasn't that good um, <laughs> i just but i thought i was and even throughout that 
a period of time that Cape Cod is about where I was really just trying to survive day to day. I still had this like dream and this confidence that I, I could do something, even though doctors were telling me like, like I went, I went off to it like a boarding school at that time. Um, oh, really? Wow. Like you're, you can't do that. You're, you're not well enough. You're not going to be able to do this as a career. Wow. Now, do you mind if I ask what the illness in question was? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, I have an autoimmune disease, um, Crohn's disease. So oh, it's okay. an inflammatory uh, bowel condition. And it's at the, at, I've, I've found ways to, um, uh, I'm, I mean, I haven't completely overcome it because it's chronic, but um, to function, to be sure. able to travel and tour, um, which I never thought was going to be possible. I mean, I must have thought it was possible, I guess, in some way, if I kept pursuing this. But um, yeah, sort of beat the odds with that one. But in in at that time when I was diagnosed, it, it really was in and out of the hospital. It was like completely taking hold of, of me and everything. God, I can only imagine how debilitating that would have been psychologically and spiritually, really. Yeah, well, and also you're like a teenager and like every, sure. like hormones are starting. They weren't really starting for me because I was still like I wasn't growing but but like everyone around you like there's all this change already and then all of a sudden like my body was like uh it didn't feel like I was in it anymore it felt like it was a a weapon to destroy me and I was just sort of like watching myself I was very detached <laughs> wow yeah um, yeah and uh I can't remember how we got here what was the original oh that's all right it's all right we, uh, I try to distract you so you won't know no uh <laughs> <laughs> no we were uh, talking about the, the I guess the illness I was curious what it was specifically because I think that does inform the context of everything else, really, because something like that does change the context of your life and it changes, I imagine, how you view uh, everything. And so the fact that also that you still did not let the dream die. Yeah. And if I, if I could sort of like pat myself on the back for anything, I think it would be that above all else, like that I really... I fought so hard. <laughs> so hard. Right. You're not only fighting to make your mark in an already difficult to navigate industry, you're battling your own body. Yeah. And for so many years, I wouldn't even think to talk about this because it was a, I was like, it's, you know, this is just a handicap. It's just going to make the people that believe in me not believe in me or think that I can do it. So if I'm sick, I'd always just hide it. But, you know, I'm now at, at a, a level of uh i have my fans i have my i i, I have my business es- established yeah. i'm so done with so many aspects of the industry i just don't care anymore what anyone thinks so sure. yeah I'm really at a, and, and i'm at an age i'm just at a place in my life where like i actually hope that you know someone listening to this that it it, it helps them that's what i'm concerned with more, more so than what the industry's impression of me is any longer it's funny, right? Because it seems like it's the last thing you would ever want to do, but it turns out to be the best thing to do. I mean, I've talked about on the show things I didn't think I'd talk to other people about, much less lots of people, you know, on a show. But once you do that, you're unburdened of certain things, and it's wildly liberating. It is, and and it's a bit of like, like I remember when I first started telling people, like coming out about this, like I had to tell my like agent at one point, and he was like, He's like, it's okay. I still believe in you. And I, I was just such a, like, a powerful thing because I was so sure for so many years. We're talking like 15 years here. That, yeah. You know, 
nobody could ever know about my weaknesses and and yeah and um yeah and you kind of just as you get older and as you live your life you just realize that like everyone's got their shit that they're dealing with and right okay (laughs) and it feels great to, to to like just let it out once you do that you find that anyone who is uncomfortable with that sort of stuff you don't really want to be around them yeah, t- totally. Yeah, it's a good like filter as well. And it's funny how the very process of not talking about something and hiding something makes it into this giant thing that it doesn't need to be. Yeah, you put you put a charge on it. You put a weight mm-hmm. on it that doesn't necessarily have to be there. Again, like the older I get, the more I realize like life is just heavy anyway. So <laughs> yeah, right. There's some shit. <laughs> yeah, like why? Why? make it harder than it needs to be why yeah. spend a minute in any environment that makes you feel less than why work with anyone that makes you feel less than or uncomfortable right why stay in los angeles if you don't like it here <laughs> you know absolutely and also getting rid of rigidity really you know sort of being flexible and yeah. fluid with everything yeah 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 and yeah i mean i feel like life has taken so many unexpected twists and turns and I feel like I've become a few different people since I was born and it's just natural, you know, and it is evolution and growth and being an artist is such a privilege and, and I will never take it for granted and I will always try to live my life in the bravest way and the most evolving way possible. I never, I never want to be someone that sort of reaches, okay, this is this is who I am and I'm just going to be this person until I die and I'm just going to have my kids and my safety and like, I, I want to, I, that's not, and I, and I have nothing against that for other people, but that's just not what I want for my life. Right, exactly. And you want to keep it authentic and you basically don't want to have a shtick. <laughs> I've been, I finally have been watching Marvelous, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, how is it? I've never seen it. It's so good. It's so good. It's the same woman that produced and created Gilmore Girls. So it has similar, like, the super, like, lengthy banter, like, lots. I don't know if you ever saw that show. There's, there's, it's very, like, overridden, but in a charming way. Oh, sure. I know what you mean. Oh, the only thing I know about it is there's, like, a lot of Bee Gees mentions, which someone told me because I'm a huge Bee Gees fan. Oh yeah, I love the BGs too. Um, but yeah, it's it's so good. And there's this there's this comic, this famous comic, uh, fictional on the show, who uh, Jane Lynch plays, and her name is Sophie Lennon, and she she's all about like the shtick. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Says, Put that on your plate and eat it. Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love a catchphrase comedian. I also love the other art form that uh, typically employs heavy use of catchphrases, the wonderful world of drag and DragCon LA. That was my first DragCon. It was your first DragCon too, right? Yeah, it was my first DragCon. That was a very interesting experience. I did. I shouldn't have had a booth. I don't know. I was. <laughs> don't know what I was thinking. Um, someone like like World of Wonder was like, "You want your own booth?" They like let me have it for, for the space for free. And I was oh, like, that's sure. you have to say yes to that. I mean, yeah, on. but oh my god, I realized as soon as I got there, I was like, no, this is this is for the girls. This is for the queens. This is not for me. <laughs> but you know, I saw your looks good. though. Your looks were amazing. They were good looks. 
Man, one of those pieces were. I mean, they were, it was uh, Iggy Rosales who, who did my hair there and the head pieces, but they were so heavy to wear for 12 hours. <laughs> and then and then perform on stage with them, right? I didn't. Uh, did I? No, I don't think I did. I thought you did. I thought you had I the thing. I on... did. I think you're right. Yeah, I think I was wearing the pink look on stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Your first experience with the drag queen was in Provincetown, right? When you were very young? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was my first experience, like, seeing drag queens at all. And mm-hmm. and it was a very, yeah, positive first. It <laughs> 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 was just really, was really... Uh... It would be horrible if it was like the queen was meaner to me than anyone at school. And then somehow... <laughs> <laughs> she slapped me. Um... <laughs> I mean, that was, like, one of those childhood trips to, like, Massachusetts that I was talking yeah. about. And yeah, we were we were in Provincetown for the evening. In my memory, it looked like a full on pride parade, but I think it's just like that in Provincetown. Every night. Right. Well, it's also yeah. the magic of childhood memories when something that you like is really lovely and a shiny ball of light yeah. hits you. Your memory of it might be way outsized of what it is. Yeah. So it it might be that, but I do remember there was a group of three queens. We were me, my family, and then we had family friends. We were all walking along some main road, and they were at the side there. And I was staring like a kid, like a kid that had never seen a drag queen before. Yeah. And they just they went, "Hey, honey," and I went, "Ah!" <laughs> and oh, I just yeah. that was my first memory. I was just very enamored. Now, when were you next in the uh, drag milieu? Was it teenage years? Yeah. Well, so I was lucky in that I. My my difficult high school years were actually made less difficult by the fact that I was at art school. So I, w- I went to two different art schools. And and so, you know, for the time that I went to high school, which was some time ago now, it was actually very progressive. And there were there was a lot of there were a lot of like ravers, goth kids and a lot of openness about sexuality. Um, I remember even on my my first day of of, of high school a girl in my class was like, I'm bi. And I was like, cool. I didn't really, I didn't really think I <laughs> So throughout high school, like there was, there was already kind of experimentation with, you know, how people dressed and presented their gender identities. Yeah. And then the, there's theater, you know, where, so in, in college, like we did a production of um, Shakespeare's. Hamlet, hell. right? That's the big drag one. Not ha- well. They're all big drag ones in a way. <laughs> yeah, that's but, true. That's true. It's the one with Rosalind, as oh. you like it. As you like it. Okay. And you know, I remember the director had all the cast reverse uh, gender roles. So, so the you know the males played the female roles. And, that's great. Yeah, and 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 we and at that point, I was going I was going to Church Street in Toronto, which was where like it's sort of migrated now, and it's like the, the older. Uh, gays that go to church street but yeah and then and i started going to to like buddies in bad times which was a theater that turned into a club every saturday night and there'd always be queens there and yeah like i i feel like there was always some drag presence and then and then you know when i when i moved out to la it it just became more like meeting all the people on 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 drag race and and sure becoming like indirectly associated with it somehow (laughs) Oh, and, Vi- and Violet did like a video with me early on, yeah. um, all the rage and yeah, just, you know. Oh, and my friend Brett uh, Leland is a writer, like a mu- uh, one of the composers for the show. So I like did a voice. Did, like, oh, cool. I, did, I did for Katya, actually. Oh, I didn't know that. That's great. 
yeah, it's just been a, an organic like thing, I guess. Well, it makes sense though. You're pursuing the art form that you love and it's very in line with that other art form that you love, but you're not actively participating in. So they oftentimes meet. Yeah. Yeah. And I give, I give exactly that answer for when people are like, why do you think you have such a strong queer following? And I'm like, well, just that's, that's me and my friends. Exactly. Now, when was your first romantic situation? I was 22 or maybe 21. I think I like had my first kiss when I was 21. Did you find that there was a lot of uh, not excess ant anticipation, but more weight on it? Because when, you know, you, because I, I didn't have uh, things happen for a while, there's sometimes a heavier weight on it or like a, you're a little more freaked out. I don't know if you were, I'm just saying. Yeah, that. yeah. No, I was, I was like, how do you do that that everyone else is doing? Like, but then when you're in this situation, I guess you just, you know, kind of, you're. You don't know any tricks or anything, but you kind of know. <laughs> no sleight of hand. Yeah, I remember. I mean, I had to like, like any of the first people that I I was involved with. I I wasn't telling them that it was like my first time. I was just trying to fake it, you know. Well, that's how it is, though. I mean, that's why the forty year old virgin. I mean, there's some things in there that aren't just funny. They're pretty true. I remember when I saw a 40-year-old version, I was still a virgin. I was like, is that going to be me? <laughs> <laughs> no, but the thing is, like, if we're going to get into like, I, I was, I was missing some, I it's not like I was looking at porn or like, or like dreaming, having sexual, fan like, I was just detached. I was, I almost, I thought I was maybe asexual because I, I didn't care and I didn't like guys like I didn't I wasn't attracted to to women and I and the, and I had such bad experiences with straight guys even in my art school like making fun of me or treating me like some second-class citizen and I mean any close girlfriends that I had watching them date these idiots <laughs> <laughs> you know I had this whole perspective on the whole thing and it was very unappealing to me um sure so i it's not like i was i was longing for a romance i actually always saw myself as someone who i mean once i started like you know being sexual with other i was like okay I, cool i can do this it's it's fun i never cared that much and i definitely never saw myself as a long-term romantic partner i always thought um I'll be like an old lady in a cool house with like some dogs and a lot of books and, and a lot of art that I created. That's, that's kind of how I've always seen my life. Right. And a massive wall size synthesizer. Yeah. Like yeah. a huge, yeah. <laughs> a room size actually. Forget yeah. me. <laughs> so that must've been kind of a startling almost when you did meet George. Yeah, it was. I'd never been in a serious relationship. I've been maybe six, six months. Oh, okay. And, I, and like I said, I really wasn't looking for that or expecting that. Um, but it's been a good thing for me. I'll definitely, <laughs> definitely attest to that. It's, it's taught me how to like share in all aspects of the word. That's something that maybe you do have to learn when you're so, by necessity, self-reliant because you pulled yourself out of the mental you know, pit that you could fall into from the physical conditions. That, yeah. that you had, I mean, have, or you know what I mean, they were worse yeah. than or whatever. It's only natural that you would sort of see yourself as a... Um... Unlovable? Maybe unlovable. Oh, wow. Okay, that's a different <laughs> word than I was going to think of. But uh... No, I feel like 
I saw myself as too com- too complicated, too oh, different, okay, okay, too, too unlovable, too. But I still had a confidence. I just thought, this is this is me, and this this person doesn't fit with these straight guys that I know. Like it just, sure. and, I, and, I, and I didn't fit with most of them. <laughs> yeah, you were pretty correct about a lot of the stuff, but you didn't realize that there was this other part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have things like that in my life where you just think that you are this person and that locks you into a role Mm. that you're forever going to be, but because of how things have been before, but that's not necessarily true. And sometimes we keep ourselves from other things or don't expect to see other things coming because of that. Yeah. You do realize that there are, there are some good men. And there are, that's what know, I realized too. They, <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there's exceptions to these to these uh, these sort of uh, brutes that I had. Yeah, yeah. Had. and yeah. So I, I've been proven wrong, and I'm grateful for it. But getting back to the drag of it all, I really loved Priyanka's performance of your track, in particular the miming of the hand percussion or the percussion miming of the hands, whatever you want to call it. Oh, the percussion. Yeah, the hand percussion. I mean, I thought it was so genius. <laughs> I, thought was, I, I, I thought that was just, I was howling. It was just such a great, great performance. And, you know, I arrived to set, uh, to shoot that. No one had told me that they were lip singing to one of my songs and nobody had told me that it was hello. <laughs> so when I found out it was hello, I was like, shut up. I was like, no one sings hello. I haven't sung hello in like five years. <laughs> so it, was like, it was, it was very special. Um, to, to see it done justice like that. And speaking as a musician, who would you say some of your favorite or most in, impactful artists have been? This kind of thing, is this question, I, I always answer it honestly, but I'm honestly a bit embarrassed by my answer. We love that. I was not like a cool kid listening to like Radiohead. I was like, or even Bjork, even though she was definitely around. I, I was listening to Celine Dion and Mariah Carey. And... Liza Minnelli. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. You had gay friends and you liked Liza Minnelli and Celine Dion. It seems very shocking to me. I liked Disney movies. I liked musicals. I liked, and I liked the great balladeers of the 90s. And that's, and that's kind of why, you know, I, I, I sound like a Disney princess when I sing. I just recorded, I just shot something that involved live singing and um, I sent it to my friend Jordan to, to mix it. It was like 11 at night the other night. He's like, I'm, I'm just, I just have to tell you, I'm really stoned right now. And you sound just like a Disney princess. <laughs> That's great. And I'm really good at like, I'm, I mean, I'm not great, but I'm decent at hiding it in, in, on the recordings because I can completely control it. But if, as soon as I'm in like a live setting, like I just, <laughs> all that, all that history comes out. Um, but yeah, those, those are my influences. And then when I, when I, uh, got older then I started I completely changed my taste and 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 uh I still like that stuff that I just named but I I don't think of it as the most rich or or inspiring music anymore at all but you know people used to really goof on ABBA or the Bee Gees like we talked about before and that stuff's the best you can't get better than that stuff no I mean yeah ABBA so good Bee Gees so good one thing that I was kind of into, uh, or one artist that was kind of into in in high school, 
because I think my babysitter was into it. So I, when I was younger, she was like, you should buy Tori Amos uh, album. So I bought it at Blockbuster and it was Boys for Pele. Uh, and that's an album that I've been revisiting um, during the quarantine. And I, I just bring that up because I've talked to a few people that are like revisiting old favorites during this pandemic. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's been that's been my album that I've gone back to. It's pretty amazing. When did you start playing instruments in addition to singing? I actually started piano lessons before I started vocal lessons. Um, oh, okay. All right. I, I was in grade four. So how old are you then? Like 10? I think yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't want to do it, but my grandparents bought, bought my family an upright piano. We, I remember we came back from a summer trip and it was like in the house. And my mom's like, you guys are starting piano lessons. And I was like... I don't want to, I want to sing. <laughs> and then and then she had to drag me. Like I remember I used to go at, at lunchtime during like the school week and she had to drag me to the first lesson. And then completely against what I was saying, I just ended up loving it and, um, and ended up going, studying all the way through high school. Um, and, you know. In addition to the keyboards, do you play other instruments? I don't. <laughs> But you can program them, so I can program them. Yeah, no, but I, I'm just a, I'm just a pianist, just a keyboardist, and I'm not even that good at that. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought I was, and then I went to that um, boarding school I told you about, which is this very prestigious arts academy, and yeah, I realized like, oh shit, no, like these these people play piano. I I'm okay. <laughs> well, there's a, yeah, the people that can like uh, play piano like in a classical level and then talk to you like, at the same time. I'm just like, like what? Or yeah. like, you know, like the Rachmaninoff, like 20 page concertos. I was like, you know, in Canada, we have this, this like curriculum, the Royal Conservatory, and it takes you from like grade one to grade eight. And so I was all, oh, I'm in grade eight piano now. And, and I'm like playing my dainty little thing. And then you see like Sergei from like Macedonia. No, he's from Russia. And he was just like, and these people would practice for like six hours a day, no exaggeration. So yeah, yeah, that's when I realized a, a concert pianist, you will never be. <laughs> <laughs> right, but a composer, you know, there you go. Yeah. Would you like to explain the X thing for folks who might not be aware of the overall concept? The X is the unknown variable. That's my, I mean, I, X has so many definitions and, and I, I love all of them, but that's the one that um, I usually- Like 10, Alley 10, which is what we thought it was, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, X means kind of like a blank space and it, it has sort of like an an anonymity attached to it that I've always liked. Yeah. And when I started the project, I was at a place in my life where I wanted a, a blank slate and in a sort of a new start, a new identity. And so I, I, I sort of took that on as my like last name in a way um, and created a whole X world around it. And it, it, the whole project is about trying to find your truth and, and, and your identity. And if I was ever, the idea is that if, if I was ever to like solve the X, that the X wouldn't exist anymore. But I, I honestly, I don't think that'll, I think it's, it's <laughs> probably never, I think life is such a, life is such a question mark. So yeah, well, that's true. Well, when you do the Alley 10 project, let me know, because that's very yeah. interesting to me as well. And then everything has to be done in tens. <laughs> That'll be good. And then eventually the, the 10 disc or 10 LP, of course, 10 double LP box set. Yeah, 10 double LP box set. Yeah. So uh, I've had a wonderful time with you, Ali, and I, I thank you so much for doing the show. 
Oh, thanks so much for having me. I've been listening to Whimsically Volatile for some years now. For more, head on over to patreon.com slash Craig and Friends, sign up and slide on in to the Thunderbuns of Hot Dog Club.